Hello, this is John Hulsman, and welcome to our latest Patrick Henry podcast, where we hold the Western elite's feet to the fire, trying to allow for some Republican accountability. Uh, I apologize in advance for this one. I may sound like I'm speaking in tongues, and I want to let the community know uh, where I am. Greetings from Sydney. I'm down under. Um, I've gone from Milan to London, London to Singapore, where I played a war game for my great client Barclays about a post uh, Ukrainian world, what it'll look like, and now I'm playing that same war game in Sydney. Uh, this has been a heck of a week. I'm not sure where I am. I've had almost no sleep, and so in my sleep deprivation, I'm keeping my promise to you uh, and saying that we would continue however discombobulated uh, I am. And so if this makes no sense, I apologize in advance, but I wanted to let you know the war games are going great. Uh, I love working with Barclays. They're one of my oldest and best clients, and we're trying to uh, really have a deep dive and look at how the world is evolving with the Ukraine war as the, as the trigger for that change. But today I wanted to talk about something here in Sydney as I sit in my bathrobe about to collapse on three hours sleep off my last plane from Singapore to Sydney, and I'm playing a game tonight, so don't have a lot of time, but I wanted to keep my promise to the community and not miss a week. And I wanted to talk about the elite's failure over the origins of COVID, which they're desperately trying to make us forget about and to hold them accountable. And I think accountability is one of the most important Jeffersonian qualities to keeping republics going. Uh, we forget that at the time of the Constitutional Convention, they actually met in secret so they could do the deals um, between the small and large states, the Great Compromise, the small states pushing for a Senate where they have equal representation, the larger states at the time, New York and Virginia, uh, pushing for a lower house that is population-centered, and the Great Compromise, the Grand Compromise is done, and then you get, in effect, the Constitution. But as an exhausted Benjamin Franklin was leaving the State House in Philadelphia, he was asked by a friend, what kind of government, what form of government do we have, Dr. Franklin? And he said very wisely and always shrewdly, a republic, if you can keep it. And what Franklin meant by this was that the record of republics wasn't very good, and our founders knew their ancient history. And the Roman Republic had come and gone and given way to the Roman Empire. There had been an attempt at cantonization in Switzerland, but by and large, republics like the democracy in Athens, were short-lived things that tended to fall apart into anarchy. And one of the reasons for this is that the people, the elites running them, were not held accountable. Their feet were not held to the fire when they made mistakes. And I have to say, one of the differences between our generation and even the Vietnam generation just before was that all the guys who'd served Jack Kennedy and LBJ did not go on to the things that they hoped for. McGeorge Bundy never did get to be made Dean of Harvard, and Robert McNamara, who I actually met at Council on Foreign Relations, was a pariah in his last days with almost no one talking to him, almost ostracized in a classical Greek sense at the time because of his failures over Vietnam. And I contrast that with what happened to the equally culpable group of people who uh, managed to plow us into the ditch of the Iraq War which killed thousands of Americans and hundreds of thousands of Iraqis um, and was a huge cul-de-sac where we took our eye off the ball and fought wars of choice ruinously while the Chinese rose and rose and rose. And the neocons and Wilsonian hawks who started that war did not drink themselves quietly to death. They did not go on to be ostracized. 
Instead, they still are on Fox News. They win Pulitzer Prizes. They get gigs at the Washington Post. And we need to call these people out. And it's not to be mean to them. It's because in a republic, if you don't reward excellence and you don't punish failure, that republic will not last for long. And we haven't done that. And we see this yet again uh, from Iraq over the origins of COVID. And in fact, some of the same people are to blame. And, and I just want to look at three, two people and one institution as being to blame and, and needing to be called out for it. Someone like Ann Applebaum, neocon, who still has no regrets whatsoever for her role in causing the Iraq war and says, well, we didn't know everything, but I don't feel bad about it spoken like a true Robespierre's fanatic. And when Anne was confronted with the notion that the lab leak might be one of the origins of COVID and not just the story of this passing through a poor animal like the pangolin, the elusive pangolin we've never found, uh, she said that if anybody questioned her, that this was just simply Soviet disinformation. And this is always Anne's fallback position. Don't argue the case, argue the man. Don't play the ball, play the man. And anyone who would have the temerity to disagree with her, despite her abysmal record, I wouldn't hire her to be my intern, her abysmal record, my interns are rather good, uh, over Iraq, having not a shred of doubt about that, or having anyone punish her for being egregiously wrong about the most fo important foreign policy issue of the past generation. And instead, we still are supposed to blindly agree with her. And if we don't agree with her, rather than arguing the merits of the case, we are told instead that if you disagree with her, that the people who believed in a, in a lab leak were quite similar to Soviet disinformation. So you're comparing people who have the temerity to disagree with her in, in, in a democracy to the Soviet totalitarian state. How convenient and how utterly wrong when in the last two weeks we've had the FBI say with a, with a moderate degree of confidence they think there was a lab leak. And everyone knows I was in favor of this theory for a variety of reasons, not least because the Chinese were not, were not refuting the theory um, that this is all shown. The FBI say that with a moderate degree of confidence they think it was a lab leak. The Department of Energy say with a low level of confidence they think it was a lab leak. The CIA say they don't know, and other intelligence agencies still hold to the view of the elusive pangolin in the wet market, even though there's been no proof of this whatsoever. But rather than argue the merits of this case or argue the key fact, which is that this is depraved indifference, again, we do know, for instance, as a fact, that the Chinese government shut down Wuhan province while keeping open at the same time, international flights. So they knew this had happened. They knew this had broken out, regardless of how it broke out. And they committed manslaughter, as we'd say on Law and Order. Again, Jack McCoy would, would prosecute. This is manslaughter, depraved indifference. You let the rest of the world get sick because you know that you two are going to get sick and you can't take the knock on your own. Rather than discussing any of this and Applebaum not using a single fact, simply name calls as though she were 12 years old, and says, if you disagree with me, you are very similar to Soviet disinformation. And now we see that yet again, she's wrong. Well, again, as I say about some of my competitors, if you're wrong about COVID, and you're wrong about the Ukraine war, and you're wrong about Trump, and you're wrong about Iraq, and you're wrong about Afghanistan, and you missed the call on Brexit, and you missed the last financial crisis, and you didn't see the coming of inflation, you probably shouldn't be hired. Because we should be held accountable to what we say, 
not name calling, but the policies and the analysis that we make, we should be held accountable to what we say. And if we are right more often than not, as my firm is at about 80%, you should hire us. And if we're wrong more often than not, you shouldn't, regardless of whether you win the Pulitzer Prizes and did for realizing that the gulags and Stalin were bad somehow, as though this were some great insight. Um, but instead, she was name-calling and yet again was wrong. I'm not saying this to be mean to the specific person. I'm saying this because she represents an elite that self-regards itself for literally no reason. This is not Republican virtue, and she should be called out for it. Likewise, in a very similar matter, Dr. Fauci, one of my old bugbears, who has been rather quiet, and again, as only the great survivor that he is, most of these people who are wrong about Iraq are miserable analysts, but they are Machiavellianly great at saving themselves. And Dr. Fauci is no exception. Having quietly retired, he's now saying, well, I've always said we don't really know what happened, and we have to keep an open mind, and it could be either. Keep an open mind. That's interesting from a man who's been wrong so very often and held almost every position on every view of COVID. And now to say keep an open mind is rather amusing. This is a man who, if you question him, arrogantly said at one point, I am the science. That's up there with Anne saying, if you disagree with me, there's Soviet disinformation. Fauci goes a step further, comparing himself to God and saying, I am science. And instead, let's look at his open mind. We now have, through the Freedom of Information Act, clear email that Fauci went out of his way to tell people to shut down any discussion of the lab leak theory very early on in COVID. And when some of the people around him, and remember that Fauci, as part of the National Institutes of Health, was doling out grant money. That's where his power is to these other scientists. They're not in awe of his towering intellect. How could they be? He doesn't have one. They're in awe of the fact that he pays millions of dollars in grant money, and they want to keep him on side because they want some of this grant money. Again, this is not Republican virtue. This is a racket. This is an old-fashioned racket. And so when Fauci made it clear he was unhappy with discussions about a lab leak, people fell into line. And although a number of very brave scientists came forward with the Great Barrington Declaration, which was on the money then, is on the money now, which is saying masks won't do anything, natural immunity is going to have to be the key here, we should quarantine older people, and the rest of us should get on with the business of living. Fauci, like a wounded hyena, yelped and shut down this theory and said, if anybody disagrees with us and says that the lab leak is a viable option, they're crazy. They're tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy nuts, and they shouldn't be taken seriously. And as a result of this, we should shut them down. Why all the invective for a supposedly open-minded man? Well, simple. Fauci knew a fact that we only discovered later, that through the uh, his evil twin, Peter Daszak, they were through his group indirectly funding the Wuhan, and you couldn't make this up, a conspiracy theory. They were funding the Wuhan lab indirectly through Peter Daszak. So yes, the Americans through the National Institutes of Health and Fauci used Peter Daszak to fund the Wuhan lab. And this is a fact that Mr. Fauci, Dr. Fauci, did not want to get out, for obvious reasons, into the media. I mean, he shouldn't have worried because the media, which I'll get to in a minute, are the lapdogs of the elite establishment. Um, 
but Fauci didn't want this to get out. And this would get out or was much more likely to get out if we spent time nosing around the idea of a lab leak. But this was always so much more obvious. Again, just use your common sense. Forget these credentials, forget the name calling, and use your common sense. The left-wing comedian John Stewart, no friend to realists such as myself, though I once was on his show, uh, got this right when he said, look, if there were an outbreak of chocolate poisoning in Hershey, Pennsylvania, what would we say this is a result of? Probably the Hershey milk chocolate plant there, because it's the only thing there that makes sense. There are only two grade five labs looking at the coronavirus genome through bats that now has erupted into COVID all over the all over the world. There are only two of them all in all of China, whereas there are thousands of wet markets in China. But it isn't it isn't a mistake that there's an outbreak at precisely the place there where they're one of these two labs that rather than the possibility of thousands of wet markets. The odds are astronomical. It's anything other than the lab. This is just common sense. And whether you call people names or say you're the science or how dare we peasants question you, I'm going to use my super secret power of logic to say it is far more likely, as John Stewart said, that this came from the lab, the COVID lab, the COVID outbreak came from the COVID lab down the road than from the poor pangolin, the poor malign pangolin, when there are thousands of Chinese wet markets and only two grade five labs in the country. This is just common sense. And yet, when I brought this up, this is one of the few times that internally at the political risk room, and you know, we nailed this. We said the lab leak is the most likely origin for that reason and for following the facts that they locked down Wuhan while leaving everything else open, that this was another fact. And then the third fact that led us to believe, again, using common sense, that the Chinese government was complicit in this and that it was a lab leak, is that they weren't rushing to deny this. Whatever one thinks of the Chinese Communist Party, certainly we can agree it is thin-skinned and quick to defend its honor in almost all cases. If they were being maligned around the world by being seen as having a lab leak under their auspices, get out and get the rest of the world sick to the tune of killing 7 million people through COVID, they would be rushing to deny this. They would be opening everything up and saying, how dare you Westerners in your racist way malign the glory of the Chinese Communist Party and the Chinese people. And yet again, here are the facts to prove that we had nothing to do with the lab leak and it's the pangolin. And yet they're not doing that. Why? Because they're guilty. Because they can't do that. Because they can't do that. They can't open everything up and show us what's going on. And instead, even when the totally in their pocket World Health Organization asked them politely, could, could we have a look at what's going on? They shut down that investigation when the state of Australia, where I'm presently in, has the nerve to say, we should have a conference on the origins of COVID so this doesn't happen again. The Chinese get hysterical and start a trade war with Australia putting tariffs on things like barley and wheat, which are very important to China, but more important to Australia for having the nerve to question this. These, to put it mildly, are not the actions of an innocent entity. Rather, they are the hysterical rantings of a guilty party trying to keep their guilt covered up. It is prima facie evidence of their guilt. And yet none of this could be mentioned by Dr. Fauci because he didn't want the inconvenient truth to get out that he had directly funded the lab where COVID originated. Think about that. 
incredible. And I can't wait for him to be subpoenaed on this point. And then the last and greatest culpability, you can pick on Ann Applebaum, the neocons and the believers in authority, the mindless believers in authority, however awful their record, and get over the towering ego of Dr. Fauci desperately trying to cover up his stupidity in funding gain-of-function research in the Wuhan lab and starting the pandemic that killed 7 million people indirectly by funding it. The last group and the, and the worst group is the media. And this is, this is the Jeffersonian notion of accountability. Who holds elites accountable? Jefferson would say, undoubtedly, a free press. And in fact, when Jefferson was asked if he could have just, in, in a quasi-authoritarian system, if he could have one thing be free, Jefferson said it would always be the press. Because if you have a free press, they will hold the elite accountable, and eventually you will have a more pluralistic system, maybe even a Republican or Democratic system ultimately out of that. And yet our elite, oddly enough, has gone the other way now. No longer are we looking at all the president's men. Instead, we have a left-wing elite protecting authoritarian authority figures on the left because the left wing, the Democratic Party, has become a party of expertise. It is no longer the working class party. It is a party of people with advanced degrees, such as I have. Um, I'm a traitor to my own class here. Uh, and trust me, most of these people I wouldn't necessarily follow. Um, but that expertise trumps democracy. This started with Woodrow Wilson really coming into the Democratic Party, the ultimate Princeton professor, stiff-necked, racist, ill-humored, arrogant beyond belief, even in an arrogant age, people thought he was arrogant. And Wilson said, in effect, we have to create institutions and elites that have nothing to do with the day-to-day -day workings of average human beings. And the Democratic Party has more and more imbibed this. There's a reason the teachers' union is one of the biggest givers to the Democratic Party. University professors vote by a factor of nine to one in favor of Democrats. And this elite and expertise think that they can trump their record. And the media are part of this. They've become part of the elite that they're supposed to be holding to account. This is elite capture, and it's deadly for the Jeffersonian notion of accountability. The press must hold the elite accountable and not be part of it and defend that class. And this is a huge confusion that has happened in the United States and the failure of, of the media to even remotely question Fauci or Ann Applebaum or the notion that you could believe this. The New York Times went crazy when Tom Cotton merely mentioned that this was a possibility, and they've now they issued a statement saying he, in effect, was a conspiracy theorist. They've now issued a tepidly worded climb down from this. But frankly, the reason that the mainstream media has a, an approval rating similar to that of Charles Manson is because literally it's at one-third the country think that the, the mainstream media uh, is trustworthy and doing a good job, is this happens over and over again because people get the bigger picture instinctively. They are not doing their Jeffersonian job duty in a republic of holding the elite to account. Rather, they're a propaganda wing of the expertise clack that runs the Democratic Party, people like Dr. Fauci, people like Ann Applebaum, who are part of this common elite um, that's been wrong over COVID, wrong over inflation, wrong about Iraq, wrong about Afghanistan. You're going to have an elite. I would just like mine to be better. And the only way to make an elite better is to hold it accountable. Thank God for Substack. Thank God for the fact that this elite is breaking down because it's so obviously 
wrong about all these things. And it gives voices to people like myself to do the job the mainstream media have abdicated, leaving it to the rest of us to hold the world to their Jeffersonian duty. Dr. Franklin was entirely right. We have a republic, but only if we can keep it. And the only way to keep it is to hold our elite accountable in a Jeffersonian fashion. And yet again, our elite's failure over the origins of COVID has proven that they're not doing their job. But the good news in all this story is things like the Patrick Henry podcast, going back to this original founder who found all forms of authority threatening and worth questioning. That's the best kind of leader. That, paradoxically, is how you keep a republic. And trust me, as long as I'm around, I'll continue saying this. Hope you enjoyed this uh, from a sleep-deprived me here in Sydney. I'm going to get some rest now and then go play my war game here in Sydney and then begin the long track home to Sarah in Milan on the longest single flight in the world, which is from Sydney to London. Uh, days will pass and I'm on the plane. Suffice it to say, I get plenty of miles. <laughs> but it's been great talking to you, and I'm glad we managed to do this one. I thought this very important to do. For all of those of you who keep listening, and, and we're overwhelmed at the response, it's just booming beyond belief, and we're, we're very grateful, um, again, and see this very positively. Please do subscribe, and for those of you who have subscribed, please do give. We're only asking for $70 a year, $7 a month. For $70 a year, we'll keep telling you the truth, and we invite you, in fact, we implore you, please look at our call record. We'll admit when we're wrong, and when we're right, we'll explain why it matters, as Jefferson would have us do. You guys have a great weekend, and wish me luck.